1: Seek him first, put him first. And that's what uh, Jehoshaphat was doing here. And it says here, Therefore the Lord, in verse 5, established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Uh, Verse 7. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, uh, ben hell Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, he sent Levites, Shemaiah, uh, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Eshal, uh, Shemiramoth, Jehoth, uh, Jeho, Jehonathan, thank you, at uh, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, the Levites, and with them uh, Elishama and uh, Jehoram, the priests. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And so here we see just, Jehoshaphat really covering the country with the blessings of God by now sending forth his leaders to go out into Judah to teach the book of the law. And, uh, you know, there is no greater really thing that a nation can do but to teach its people the word of the Lord. We are living in a time where there's great Bible illiteracy and You know, it's terrible because we see the results of it. We see the crime. We see the lawlessness. We see the broken families because our society doesn't know the word of God the way they ought to. But on the other side of that, it's it's a blessing because those of us who have our Bibles and who study our Bibles can share with the little that we know with the lost that are out there, and it is the word of God that is the only hope for the lost that. Are out there. And you and I are those who are to take the gospel to them and to take the word out, even as they are doing it here uh, in our scripture. The word of God is the backbone to any society that is healthy, it's the backbone to any family that's healthy as well any marriage, and any church. In uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's a beautiful verse. It's a famous verse that tells us of the power of the word of God, how powerful it is. By the word of God, God made the heavens and the earth. He framed everything. He made you and he made me through his word. We're told that when Jesus comes to judge the world, that the word of God will come forth like a sword coming out of his mouth. It is the word of God that has changed our life. We're told that faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. So the word of God is so precious. Turn with me to Hebrews 1 and I'll show you a a cool verse that, speaks to that. Give me an amen once you are there. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And so here it tells us that Jesus is the creator of all things, that all things were, were uh, made by him. And it says that he's the heir of all things, but it also says that he upholds all things by the word of his power, that everything that was made, everything that is, it's upheld. It's held together by the word of Jesus, by the power of Jesus's word. Everything is held together. It isn't gravity that holds us down. It is the word of God that holds us down, that upholds us, that has you and I securely in God's hands. It's the word of God that he upholds the world. And to the extent that you and I study the word and keep the word is the, is the extent of how our lives are gonna be held together. So if we study the word of God daily and we meditate on it and seek to keep it, then our lives will be are gonna be upheld strongly In the Lord, but if we don't, if we skip days, or you know, maybe skip weeks in some cases, in worst cases, skip months. Some people don't read the Word, then their lives are going to be spinning out of control. They say about this book that if it, if it does not, if it's not in shambles, your life is. Meaning, if it doesn't look like it's being used, then your life will it doesn't look like it's in shambles, chances are your life is. So we have to study this word. We have to be in it. We have to uh, meditate on it daily and your life, my life will be held together strongly. And we've tested that and we've, we've noticed that in our lives when we're not spending enough time with the Lord in studying and in meditation and seeking to keep his word, you can just, the the house falls apart, right? It's when, you know, nothing works, nothing seems to work when that happens. And we know that it's the word, it's the lack of the word and the keeping of the word. You know, when it comes to family counseling, when it comes to marriage counseling, you know, one of the very first things that we ask is, are you reading the word of God together? Are you reading the word of God to your children? And if the answer is no, then that's usually the reason why the family is not doing good. We have to get back to the word because it isn't about the physical things as we talked about earlier. It's about the spirit and feeding our souls. Satan told Jesus, remember when he tempted him for 40 days, he said, turn these stones into bread. And he said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's the word, it's prayer. That's what keeps a family strong and together. Without it, there is no such thing as a strong Christian marriage without it. But it's amazing how powerful the word of God, it is like a sword. It cleans up, it cuts out all the bad, shows us, it reveals our hearts to us, it cuts it all out, all the bad stuff, and it helps us to hold on to the good stuff. And marriages get strong overnight because of the teaching of the word. Relationships between uh, children and their parents get better overnight because of the word of God. But it's the lack of it that really messes a home up. And Satan doesn't want anybody to be studying the word, praying or meditating on it or keeping it. Jesus famously said in Matthew 7, remember, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains uh, descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So the Lord says it there, those who hear my sayings and, and does them, nothing will knock you down, nothing will keep you down. You will always be strong if you seek the Lord and his word, meditate on it and keep it you will never get knocked down to the point that you stay down. That's how impactful the word of God is to all of us. Amen? And that's why it went out. But we see today the problem in our, all the problems in our society, we basically live in a lawless world that doesn't know the word of God. But that's not how our country began. America was the Puritans that came you know, all of the instruction for children was from the Bible. Children learned English uh, with the Bible for many, many years. You know, they learned the alphabet through the Bible. The A was for Adam. The B was for Boaz. The C was for Caleb. They were instructed. Kids were instructed in the Bible and it taught them how to fear the Lord. It taught them how to, uh, you know, respect their fellow man. It taught them so much about uh, about life and godliness, and that's how our country was originally taught. A writer, named, a historian named Barr, said that in the uh, that the Bible was used as a textbook and a devotional guide for for the you know early part of our country. The 17th century, he said, founders of the American society discerned in scripture the patterns by which God directed the whole of human destiny. Hence, the methods and aims of education were finally to be governed by the biblical revelation. And in the most fundamental way, God was the one true uh, teacher. And this view of education was particularly evident among the Puritans, and he said, who settled in New England In the decades following 1630, he said that the Bible was a powerful force in education in the 17th and 18th centuries and gradually declined in the 19th and 20th centuries. We know the Supreme Court got rid of the teaching of the Bible and prayer in the 1960s. And just look how, you know, juvenile delinquency, you know, you know, ramped up crime and all, all, so much got messed up in the 60s. Opening exercises began in kids' schools back in the day with the Lord's Prayer, Bible readings, and a roll call. Even by the mid-20th century, they say in the Pennsylvania public elementary and secondary schools began with the Lord's Prayer, Bible reading, roll call, and the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. The Bible itself uh, was used in learning to read and for the reading in schools. Um, Bible passages were selected to be read based on level of vocabulary. Bible stories and principles were taught. Bible history was learned by selecting historical passages for reading, and Bible principles uh, were emphasized by memorizing the Ten Commandments. Uh, Attitudes towards God and the Bible were instilled by use of both prose and poetry, extolling the Bible as God's Word. And by reading the Bible, both devotionally and to study English. Passages from Psalms, Proverbs, and the Sermon on the Mount, as well as parts of the Pentateuch, Job, and the prophets were read to teach biblical morality. And so that's what we used to be. And the only thing left now is you and me, if we love God. We are to study our Bibles and be ready to share it with as many people as will hear it, amen? And so that's what was going on. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. Look at the result of the teaching of the word. Uh, that the all the kingdoms around them uh, began to fear the Lord and uh, all around Judah so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and of presents and silver as tribute and the arabians brought uh, him flocks, even thousand uh, seven hundred rams and seven thousand seven hundred male goats. and so things are, all falling into place for King Jehoshaphat because he's honoring the Lord. And if your life is is out of whack, you want it back on track, seek the Lord, get into his word, get into prayer. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and honor his word and things will go back on track. The Bible says that when when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, that he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so that's what was going on here. They're just honoring Jehoshaphat from all over. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. These are their numbers according to their father's houses of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adna, the captain, and with him three hundred thousand mighty men of valor. And next to him was Jehonan, the captain, and with him 280,000. And next to him was Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself to the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men of valor. And that's that's a beautiful statement that he offered himself to the Lord of Benjamin, Eliada, a mighty man of valor, and with him 200,000 men armed with bow and shield, and next to him was Jehoshaphat, and with him 180,000 prepared for war. These served the king. Besides those, the king put in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. And so we see this listing of, of amazing, mighty warriors that were coming alongside the king. And that's just such another sign of God's blessing that men who loved God and men who were down fighters, like ready to fight, ready to, to fight to the death for the name of the Lord and to support their king, they all came around Jehoshaphat and that too was the providence of God. That's God speaking into the hearts of these men to gather around this king Jehoshaphat whose heart was for the Lord. And in the same way, we teach our children and we learn for the Lord for ourselves that if we honor God, that he will open doors that will blow our minds away, that people will come to you to hear of the Lord. People will come in support of your life and the things that you're doing in your life. God will open doors and find people to come into your life to help you. We see that happening all the time in our church. People coming, new people coming with various gifts and various, um, you know, things going on to come and help the church. We see it all the time and we're blown away by it. You know, we're blown away by it because, you, you know, you can't force people to open doors for you. You can't force people to be kind to you or to bless you. When we honor God, he, he brings blessings from all over and people are a part of it. Help from brothers and sisters in the Lord is a, is a sign of God's love for you and I as we're obedient to his word. I mean, I think of my life and I'm blown away at what God has done. From taking me from the streets of South El Mani to, you know, not having any direction in my life at all. Broken family, part of a gang for nine years, involved in violence, so much violence that I don't even you know, too many fights to to remember. Drugs, alcohol, all of that. Brokenness, immorality of every kind. Saying had a hold of my life, and I was gonna go to hell forever. But God came into my life and changed my life and began to teach me through His Word how to be a better man. And He's been doing it ever since. And it's His Word and and learning to be obedient to His Word that you you just, I've seen doors opening. I've seen, I I got jobs that I wasn't qualified for. You know, He's just blessed. He just keeps blessing. What can I say? And you look back and you say, well, how did God do it? I mean, I I don't know. He's a loving God and he's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He calls the foolish things of the world, the weak things, the despised things, to bless them. There's nothing that I have that I feel I deserve. The world will say, oh, well, you deserve it because you were this or that. No, I don't deserve anything but hell. But I have everything that I have because of God and his grace. And I'm away by what he's done and what he's doing. I'm just so blown away. It's been uh, an interesting uh, couple of years. I feel as we're living in the last days that we really are fighting for souls like never before. We're fighting for truth like never before. The state of apostasy is going to go worse and worse within the church. Brethren, the Bible says that in the last days they're not going to endure sound doctrine. And we see churches falling away from when they used to teach the truth, used to teach the Bible, are no longer sticking to it the way they used to. And we're in a constant state of, of prayer for Calvary Chapel because there's so many Calvary Chapels that are losing their way. And as a Calvary Chapel pastor, it's so heavy on my heart. My prayer is that, you know, the Calvary Chapel stick to the Calvary Chapel distinctives, which are biblical, that Pastor Chuck passed down to us. But we're living in those times where we need God's favor to move the pieces where they need to be, open doors. And just and like Jehoshaphat, all these guys, they came to him because the Lord's hand was upon his life. And in your life, whatever you're going through, just know that if you put God first, He's going to bring the pieces that you need right now to help you in whatever you're going through. Someone's going to have the right word, the right, you know, hug or embrace or whatever, the right scripture to give you, whatever. That's how good God is. He hears you, He sees you, He sees me. And he puts the pieces together, like in our story. But again, the warning is, God is with us as long as we're with him. Don't turn your back on him. He's coming soon. And like Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith on earth? Will I find faith? He said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. He desires that we uphold his word. And it's neat to see Jehoshaphat send guys out to teach the word of God. And that's what we want to do as a church too. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. There's none like you in all the earth, Lord. We just give you all the honor and the praise for all that you've done and all that you're doing. Lord, we just pray that you would have your way with us, that your word would bear fruit in our hearts, Lord that you would help us to be a church that honors your word. As you say that we are to honor your word, even above your name, I pray that for our church and for all the Calvary chapels, all the churches actually around the world, that Lord, your truth would be taught from your Bible. And while our heads are bowed, if there's anybody here who would like to give their life to Jesus Christ and he's spoken to your heart this evening, and you know that he loves you with all his heart, and he's calling you to get right with him. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand so that I can lead you in a prayer. Is there anybody here who would like to give their heart to Jesus? Nobody wants to go to hell. If we ask people, do you want to go to hell or do you think you're going to go to hell? They would say, no, I don't want to go to hell. No, I don't think I'm going to go to hell. But the Bible teaches that if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, one day when you die, you will be suffering for eternity in torment, in torture. And that is what Jesus came to save us from. So is there anybody here like to get right with the Lord. Father, we thank you again and may you bless our time of fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, amen. Please.
0: Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035,